Holy Spirit, help us as we hear Scripture today. There is power in your word, read out, declared. So you know how to send truth to our hearts so we take it home and put it into practice. Please help us with that now, Holy Spirit. Amen. Not many of these screens either. But, okay. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they were married, she found out she was going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. Joseph was a man who always did what was right, but he didn't want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he made plans to break the engagement privately. While he was thinking about this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for it is by the Holy Spirit that she has conceived. She'll have a son, and you'll name him Jesus, God who saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this happened in order to make come true what the Lord had said through the prophet, prophet Isaiah. A virgin will become pregnant and have a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So when Joseph woke up, he married Mary, as the angel of the Lord had told him to do, but he had no sexual relations with her before she gave birth to her son. At that time, the Roman emperor decreed that the empire must be counted, and everyone had to travel to their own home for the the hometown for the census to be taken. So, Joseph took his young wife, pregnant with the child Jesus, all the way from Nazareth in the north down to Bethlehem in Judah, not far from Jerusalem. Having arrived there, there were no rooms available. So they were given space in a stable area. And in that stable, Mary gave birth to Jesus and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in the animal feeding trough for a crib. Bethlehem had a specific trade, you know, that not so much nowadays, but in the old days, you know, Luton was famous for making this, and somewhere else was famous for making that. Luton used to make hats years and years ago. It was the hat-making town. Well, Bethlehem had a specific trade. They provided the lambs which were sacrificed every day, day after day, up at the temple in Jerusalem. And shepherds and flocks of sheep filled the hillsides around Bethlehem. So when Luke tells us that there were shepherds in the fields, that's not big news. They were there all the time. There's no great surprise there. But there is significance there. Because Jesus was going to be born in where? Bethlehem. Born to be what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Where else would the Lamb of God be born but Bethlehem? And Jesus also is going to be the good shepherd of his people. Now you might think of the good shepherd, you might think of the picture in some Bibles of, you know, Jesus. Isn't it weird they have blonde and auburn-haired Jesus characters in Bibles? Just exactly. I mean, you know, he's, all, he's Middle Eastern, for goodness sake. So, um, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. We go, yeah, yeah, the Lord's my shepherd, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Shepherds were not good news in the time of Jesus. In those times, shepherds were not gentle folk, you know. 
They often didn't have wives and families and homes. They literally lived out on the hills all year round, tending sheep, even working for the owner of a flock. It weren't even their own sheep. They were looking after someone else's sheep. They were probably a bit like vagrants. They were dirty and smelly. But it was to a group of Bethlehem shepherds that on the night that Jesus was born, an angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord shone over them. And they were terrified. So the angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here with good news for you, which will bring great joy to all the people. This very day, in David's town, your Savior was born. Christ, Messiah, the Lord. And this is what will prove it to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, a feeding trough. And suddenly a great army of heaven's angels appeared with angels singing praises to God. I felt like they were waiting for their chance to move in there and do, do that, don't you? They sang glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom he is blessed. When the angels went away from them back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. So this gang of smelly shepherds hurried off into the town and found Mary and Joseph and saw the baby lying in the manger. When the shepherds saw him, they told them what the angel had said about the child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. Mary remembered all these things and thought deeply about them. The shepherds went back singing praises to God for all they'd heard and seen. They were changed men, weren't they? It had been just as the angel had told them. Now on the eighth day after his birth, Jesus was circumcised and as part of the circumcision, he was given his name which was, of course, Jesus. And 40 days after his birth, his mother Mary and his adoptive father Joseph took him up to the temple to present him to the Lord and also to make the offering for Mary's purification from childbirth. While they were there, firstly, an old man named Simeon came up to them and prophesied over them by the Holy Spirit that this baby was the promised Messiah. And in fact, God had promised him he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. And his prayer was, I can go now, Lord. Because I've, he's looking at a baby and from a not particularly well-off family, let's say. Yeah? And yet he says, I've seen him. I can go now. And when he's just finished doing that, an old prophetess called Anna comes up and she also gives thanks to God and prophesies. Meanwhile, far away in the east, how far east? Well, I don't know. If you go east from Palestine, you go to Iraq, then Iran, then Afghanistan, then India, and even China, by way of Nepal. Somewhere out there, quite a long way away, some astronomers, not astrologers, not people who, you know, read your birth signs, astronomers who study the stars, you know, because of the, the movements, had seen a new star in the sky. The studies led them to understand that it signified a new king had been born in Israel. And so at a certain time, they calculated, they set off to visit and honor him. That journey may have taken many weeks. <laughs> Dominic wants to preach like his dad. That journey may have taken many weeks, even many months, probably at walking pace. You think, well, maybe they're riding on camels. I've seen camels. They don't go very fast, folks. In fact, by the time they arrived at Jerusalem, Jesus was already about two years old. 
Now, I'm sorry to tell you, but the nativity scene with all the shepherds and the wise men all around the crib didn't happen quite like that. Mary and Joseph now had a home in Jerusalem. Okay? And the wise men, of course, in Bethlehem, sorry, not in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. The wise men, thinking king, born in capital city, royal palace, must be the prince, you know, turn up at Jerusalem expecting to find Israel's new prince in the royal palace, you know, in the nursery of the royal palace. But when they eventually arrived at Jerusalem, they found wicked old Herod the Great still ruling there. Now, Herod was a usurper of the throne of Israel. He wasn't even Jewish. He was Edomian, and he was an appointee of the Romans. The wise men asked Herod, where is the baby born to be the king of the Jews? We saw a star when it came up in the east, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this, he was very upset, and so was everyone else in Jerusalem. He called together all the chief priests and the teachers of the law and asked them, where will the Messiah be born? And the chief priests and the Pharisees said, in Bethlehem. This is what the prophet wrote, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, you are by no means the least of the leading cities of Judah, for from you will come a leader who will guide my people Israel. So Herod called the visitors from the east to a secret meeting and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem with these instructions. Go and make a careful search for the child, and when you find him, let me know that I may go too and worship him. Of course, old Herod was behind Herod's smiling teeth was a lying tongue. So they left and went towards Bethlehem, and on their way they saw the same star that they'd seen in the east. And when they saw it, how happy they were, what joy was theirs. It went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They went into the house. And when they saw the child with his mother Mary, they knelt down and worshipped him. They brought out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold being treasure for a king frankincense being what you use as a priest for worship, and myrrh being the spice you use for burial. And they presented them to him. Then they returned to their country by another road, since God had warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. After they'd left, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, Herod will be looking for the child in order to kill him. So get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you to leave. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and left during the night for Egypt, where he stayed until Herod died. Meanwhile, Herod sent soldiers to kill every, child, every male child, aged two and under, in Bethlehem. The family are in Egypt. And this was done to make true what the Lord had said through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. You see, Jesus is the new Israel who needs to be brought out of Egypt. And later, 30 years later, he'll be the new Israel that goes into the desert and faces the trials and testings of the desert. But because it succeeds, it's not for 40 years, it's for 40 days. Because he wins. When Herod realized the visitors from the east had tricked him, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his neighborhood two years old and younger. This was done in accordance with what he'd learned from the visitors about the time the star had appeared. And that fulfilled the prophet 
The prophet Jeremiah's words, the sound is heard in Ramah, the sound of bitter weeping. Rachel is crying for her children. She refuses to be comforted for their dead. When Herod died, when Jesus was still very small, maybe only less than a year, maybe a few months old, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, sorry, he was two years old. Get up, take the child and his mother and go back to the land of Israel because those who tried to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, went back to Israel. But when Joseph heard that uh, Herod's son had succeeded Herod as king of Judah, he was afraid to go to Jerusalem area. He was given more instructions in a dream. He went to the province of Galilee in the far north and made his home in a town named Nazareth. But that fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. So Jesus grew up in Nazareth in the far north of Israel. <clears throat> Every year the parents of Jesus went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they went to the festival as usual. When the festival was over, they started back home. But the boy Jesus was still in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know this. They thought that he's with the group traveling. As they, they traveled a whole day, but then they started looking for him among their fr- relatives and friends. But they didn't find him. So they went back to Jerusalem and looked for him there. And on the third day, they found him in the temple, sitting with the Jewish teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his intelligent answers. His parents were astonished when they saw him. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this? Your father and I have been terribly worried trying to find you. He answered them, Why did you have to look for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand his answer. So Jesus went back with them to Nazareth where he was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in body and in wisdom, gaining favor with God and the people. I've got two lessons out of that, two practical applications. First one is this. Both shepherds and wise men sought Jesus and they found Jesus and they worshipped Jesus. Whether you were a shepherd filled with fear listening to an angel on the hillside or a wise man travelling from the east, however you have been invited, you need to go and find Jesus. The gospel is an invitation to come to him. You have to respond to the invitation. When you hear the good news, the gospel, about Jesus, it's not just, oh, I'll I'll think about that another day. No, you need to act. Take action. You're invited to come, to receive from Jesus, to receive him to you as Lord and Savior. Faith responds with action. Faith is not just being vaguely interested and entertained. Faith responds with action. But then for those of us who have been Christian for some time, we're still called to action. We are called to seek the Lord because wise men still seek him. If I'm hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit recently, this is how we must start this next year, 2017, and how we're going to go on through the year. We're going to learn again what it is to seek the Lord. Here are some of God's great and precious promises. I'm just going to rattle them off to you, not give you the references. 
Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. One benefit of seeking the Lord is you can be glad, you can be settled, you can be comfortable. Not trusting him. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face continually. David did in Psalms, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Again, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. Hosea says, Sow with a view to righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. We all like the stories about revivals. There wasn't one revival yet that didn't have, before the revival, some people who got hungry and desperate and eager and prayed and sought the Lord. Every revival history has that prehistory of people who wanted God so much they sought Him with all their heart. Until He comes to reign righteousness on them. And then the words, I should have put these up, the words of the Lord Jesus Himself. Listen to them again. He's talking about prayer. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. These are tremendous promises to those who will invest some time and some effort to ask and to seek and to knock. Jesus nowhere, I'll say it again, Jesus nowhere teaches us to decree and declare as you see on the YouTube video things, all right? And in some churches too. He teaches us to pray and to pray faithfully and persistently and not give up in praying. He tells us to ask, to seek, to knock. And it seems to me that the church today has largely forgotten how to do it. Ready to believe and do anything. We'll pick up anybody's little one, two, three trick rather than devote ourselves to seeking the Lord in prayer. Well, let's throw the tricks out the door and let's get back to what we really should know how to do. So we'll start 2017 by praying through the first week of January. Not New Year's Day, bank holiday the 2nd, but Tuesday the 3rd, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday the 6th, here, 7.30 to 8.30. We'll gather to pray. I, I encourage those of you who lead small groups, close them. Come. Come that night. Make, make that your prayer night. And if you can come all four, please come. But we're going to seek the Lord. We're going to ask some questions. Some. We're also, uh, on New Year's Eve, going to be gathering together to give thanks and to celebrate the new year coming in. I think I've confused myself up at 8 o'clock here and 9 o'clock. Let's say, come 8 o'clock, you're early. Come 9 o'clock, you're just about on time. Come after that, you're late. All right? um, so if you want to help us set up and sort out, come at 8, but we'll kick, we'll kick in and make, make it start. At, there'll be some food, there'll be some rejoicing, there'll be some celebrating, there'll also be some thanksgiving, and some testimonies, if you like, and some prayer as well. In the back hall, we'd be cosy, but we, that's what we're going to do. But on the morning of New Year's Day, we will start later... You've had this on an email already, and you should have had. You'll have it on text as well. So don't blame me if you turn up at you know half past nine, ten o'clock. No one's here. New Year's Day, 
1st of January. We'll start later at 11 o'clock. We'll have a one-hour service. And what we're going to do that morning, we're going to pray. And what I want you to do is bring your prayers. I mean, think about them beforehand. Even write them down. You know, maybe you feel, I'd really like to pray that God will show us more healing this year. Bring your prayer. Bring your prayer. In fact, you can let me know beforehand what it is you want to pray for. Let me know so we can, we can bring in those prayers. I want to pray for increase. I want to pray for people who say, fine, you pray for that. And you prepare your heart. You think about the words and you bring your prayer. We all go, yes, Lord. We're going to ask some big prayers. Because God delights to reward us when we pray. And the church seems to want to dodge that and duck it and go some other way. But that's his way. That's his method. He stirs us to pray so that he can reward us with the answers. But we need to do a bit of that ourselves. It's time to seek the Lord. Okay? So that's how we're starting New Year. Then one further timely thought for us, because it is Christmas time. The Jewish festivals were great occasions. First, you know, the Passover and Sion, holiday time with family and friends. There was worship in the temple and so on. There was also feasts and there was music and celebrating and partying. And Joseph and Mary went up to Jerusalem for the Passover when Jesus was 11. But in all the festival, in all the celebration... Among all the relatives, they lost him. They set out to travel back north, and when they'd gone a whole day's journey, they realized they hadn't got him there. Even when they looked with, you know, was he with his cousin John, you know? The one we know is John the Baptist. Is he with him? No. Jesus was, in fact, running his own bar mitzvah. I don't know if you know what that is. It's when a Jewish boy comes of age and he, and he has to answer questions about the Torah. Jesus is answering questions about the Word of God with the most skilled lawyers and scribes in Israel and, he's, and, and they're amazed at his answers. Jesus is doing his own bar mitzvah in the temple. When, this, when, when Mary and Joseph find him, he says, didn't you know I'd be here? You should have known I'd be here. But they lost him. And that was a worrying Three or even four days, depending on how you count them. It's increasingly difficult in our society to find any reference to Jesus around Christmas time. So you go to any card shop, and can you find a nativity scene card in the shop? Anything with any sign of Jesus about it is like way out the door. So all the more, Christians, we need to make sure that we don't lose Jesus. Be careful, my brothers and sisters, that we don't lose Jesus in the festivities as most Joseph and Mary did. I'm not criticizing them at all. They just lost sight of him for a day or two. They thought he was fine. But getting back and finding him caused them some terrible heartache. Having traveled a day to get there, it took them at least another two days, if not three days, before they found him there in the temple. Can you imagine what was going through their mind? Can you imagine how, the, the pain Mary felt? I've bore the Messiah, we've lost the Messiah. Now I'll tell you something. This is just honest advice, okay? When we lose contact with the Lord Jesus, it doesn't go well for us. 
it becomes hard. Life's tough anyway, but it comes even tougher when you lose contact with Jesus. We all need holidays and we all need celebration. But it's easy for us in those times to lose contact with Jesus. There's a phrase I coined years ago. You can get so laid back you fall over. So in these next two weeks, through Christmas to New Year, don't switch off being a Christian. And when you feast, you as the Christian there can receive everything you eat and drink with joy and with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. I'm celebrating you again, Lord Jesus. Eat and drink and give thanks. Whatever you do, give thanks. Whatever you do, be thankful to God for it. In fact, the, one of the clues is this. If you, if you can't give thanks for it, don't do it. It's a very, very simple test of morality. If you can't give thanks to God for it, don't do it. So, you know, mince pie, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Turkey, yeah. Bless God, thank you, Jesus. Don't lose sight of Jesus. In, it says on the routine of the day, but in all the day. 